Meet Zivengezi, a dynamic and versatile performer who has made a lasting impact on the South African entertainment industry. With a thriving career as a sought-after comedian, popular television presenter, prolific actor, MC and producer, Siv's talents have garnered him numerous accolades and recognition. From his captivating stage performances to his appearances in acclaimed films like Invictus and Long Walk to Freedom, Siv's charm and versatility have captivated audiences both at home and abroad. With a passion for comedy and a knack for producing successful shows, Siv continues to shine as he takes on new projects and solidifies his position as one of South Africa's brightest stars. I'm so excited to talk to him today. So, Siv, welcome to Undeniably You. Great to be here. Thank you for taking time. I know you have a very busy schedule, so this is special. Also, this is us catching up after... We don't know how many years, yeah, but... for a long time. Yeah. I think every time we try to meet, something happens. Also, every time we've tried to have this podcast, it's me. I'm the problem. It's all good. Taylor Swift. <laughs> insert. Accountability. Yeah. You just finished The Woman King, right? That's on Netflix right now. When did you shoot that? I shot that about two years ago. Okay. Uh, just moved to Netflix right now, uh, but it was on big screen and it was pretty great. And yeah, it was a great experience. I, I recently watched it. It's phenomenal. Thank it's you. such a great show. Yeah. Mm. Well done. Thank you. What was the experience like? Um, you know, it was one of the first big things that was shot during COVID. So just, I think making it was quite a terrible experience, to be truly honest. Mm-hmm. In the sense of, you know, COVID tests every day, separating. Um, we didn't have get much time to enjoy it and be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just an unbelievable experience. The, the, the final product really has blown my mind. So it's, it's doing very well and people who see it really love it. Yeah. Well done. That's great. I mean, I can imagine just shooting in COVID, like all the procedures you have to, it's Mm. not like a family and that's usually what happens on set, Mm. right? You feel like this family um, environment. So tell me what you were like as a kid. Um, I think I, I've always known I'm special. I know that sounds like the weirdest thing someone can say. (laughs) Um, I was raised as the youngest boy. My mother treated me like I was... God's gift to humanity, but with a lot of accountability and a lot of discipline. Uh, my grandfather, I was the first um, grandson. So I was always, like, I've always been told I'm special and I'm different. Uh, my mother just was able to be my, my guide, to be able to go, you're special, but you're, you, you have to be accountable and, and have responsibilities. Mm. So that's why, for me, I find it quite like being being. Giving, getting positive feedback for things for me is always like, yeah, but obviously I, I give my best and you I should like achieve what I want. know that. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's an interesting thing to be able to even say that out loud, but I, I've always been drilled to be able to give my best and be excellent and, and, and thrive to achieve. I think it's important to own that too. You know, if yeah. you know, you know. You don't want to hide away no. from something that's so in, intuitive to yourself. Mm. But, uh, but I, I've always known I'm different and special, but I've always known that it's not for everyone. Mm. And that's why I learned from a very early age that I don't give a fuck what people think. It's none of my fucking business what people think. I love that. Um, so yeah, I think, so I think it's been quite an interesting balance between. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty much there. And, and the older I get, the more I get to learn about myself. And the less Fs I give. Where where were you born? I was born in Kukuletu, a township here in um, Cape Town. I didn't know you were from Cape Town. For some reason, I always thought you were from Joburg. Yeah, because uh, people who live in Joburg think only people who are successful and uh, confident and cocky are from Joburg. No, no. I think I just we never had <laughs> that joking. conversation. I think everyone <laughs> thinks I'm from Joburg. I think my vibe does say Joburg. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everyone always thinks I'm from Joburg. So you grew up in Guguletu. Yeah. And then did you go to school here in Cape Town? Yeah, Cape Town, through and through. So okay. I lived here for 37 years, but lived all over the world as well. Okay. And did you, what did you study? I've never studied. I have a, a I'm on my uh, 19th gap year. I have a, a master's in gap years. Uh, yeah, I've, I've got my doctorate. I got okay. my doctorate in gap years. That's incredible. So you... Basically left school and went into the creative space. Is that how it all? No, I started, started? when I was about nine years old. I, I I traveled the world with a show called Les Miserables, uh, mm. and then I was doing commercials and, and working. But I, I did speech and drama from like age six, seven. Uh, they complained that I was. Um, they complained that I was 
that I was disruptive in class. And then my mother was like, we're not putting him in Ritalin, we're going to put him in drama. So I did sports and drama. What a powerful woman. You speak about her a lot. Mm-hmm. And I know that you've lost your mom recently. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Thank you. And what, what has life been like since, since that? Um, life after my mother has been hell on earth. Um, it's been, um, you lose your will to live. Uh, and that sounds like a cliche kind of a thing. But like, there is something about living in a world without your compass, without your guide. Um, but I think what she was able to instill in me is the, the unconscious self-belief. Like a, a real kind of like a, you're amazing even at your worst. Um, but I'm literally walking around every day at about 20% of myself. Um, but luckily that my core values are consistency, excellence, and discipline. And I guess Uh, you draw a lot from the, the, the amazing lessons that she's taught you and living with that. And, but I think it's, it's, it's it's hell. And if if you have your mother and you have your father, you have no idea. It's just, um, I think if, if she hasn't, if she hadn't given me the fundamentals of that kind of, doing your best to second nature, I think I definitely, I think I would be a backpack in Asia uh, with a big beard and walking around and I'd be... You'd I'd, be lost. You'd no, be no I, I definitely would be, because I really, I am lost. I am lost mm. with or without the, the, the basicness of what she gave me. But I think it's about that thing of her going, you know what I mean? We always do our best. We always do, you know, we always got to show them how great we are and we always got to make sure that you succeed so much that they hate you. And that's always my goal. I'm sorry that you're going through that. And I, I think that, you know, only living in the moment day by day is how to move through. And there's, you know, it's really hard. So I, I can't relate because I've not gone through something like that, but I, I can mm. say that I'm empathetic towards Thank it. Thank you. And you said from nine years old, you started in like film. Mm. Did you... Like, what was that experience like as such a young child getting into the space? I think I, I played sport from an early age and I, I watch a lot of, like, like rugby at the moment. They're playing the under 20 rugby World Cup at the moment. And I see these young boys who are just playing rugby. And the question is, are they still enjoying it? Mm. And I think school level, sport and stuff like that, these days lacks enjoyment. And it, it lacks the, the, the kind of the, the, the fundamentals to be able to make mistakes and make mistakes without the whole world watching you. So I think a lot of those boys are going to pay, pay the price of going from an early age, having this crazy goal and not being able to have fun. Um, for me, I was traveling the world with musicals and, and acting around the world and having a good time. Like, I was just like, oh, my goodness, traveling. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. performing at Nelson Mandela's birthday party. Oh, that's Nelson Mandela. Oh, let's have lunch with Nelson. Um, so I really enjoyed it. So even now, like, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the process of, like, preparing and really, really knuckling down to prepare and create something, you know? Yeah, what is your process when you are preparing? So if you land a role, like, for The Woman mm. King or... Uh, you know, Invictus, Long Walk to Freedom, these mm. these forms that you do, how do you get into your character? What's your process? For me, I, 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 like, I think I just want to be as much as possible. I want to be in the moment. Um, I don't do any of that, um, like, you know, like method stuff. But like Woman King, for six months, we were gymming. Uh, when we were not on set, we were gymming. When we were not on set, we were doing... Uh, um, what's it called? We were doing stunt training. Um, so like sometimes for me, it's, it's a great question because for me, I, I think there's only so many kind of characters you can play and play them differently. I do think I try to find a part of me in each character. Mm-hmm. Um, the Woman King, for example, he was, he was just a guy, a normal guy, who was very, very uh, pro-equality, but he didn't know that even he had a problem with women being in armies. But then when he got to the point when he saw the woman as equal, he was like, okay, cool, wait a minute, we're on the same team here. Mm. Uh, and I took parts of me, of me being 
like openly against GBV. Uh, I'm a I'm a godfather. I'm a uh, uh, like at the moment I'm busy disciplining my niece. Um, uh, so those aspects of him go in there. Um, so I think sometimes people spend so much time trying to create characters when actually you have bits and pieces of them inside of you. Like it's the same as another. This is gonna sound like a weird detour, but. A lot of women love to use words like, he's a narcissist, oh my God, he's such a narcissist, oh, toxic, toxic. I think it's a big call to call someone a narcissist. I think people have narcissistic traits, but to call someone a narcissist, there's a lot of things that need to be ticked to call them a narcissist. But I think a lot of women currently feel like they just learned that word, people are toxic and everyone's a narcissist. Um, but in characters, there are little bits and pieces that you have that maybe you might just heighten. Uh, you know what I mean? If if he's shy, when I walk into a room, I'm always confident, but there's a part of me that is shy, that, that I have to scope out the room. You know what I mean? So I, I take that small little bit of me that is shy and I just grow it for that particular character. You know what I mean? So we all have traits that are certain things that I, and then I just take particular traits of me and make them bigger to be able to fit into a particular character. It takes great awareness to get to that point because you truly know yourself then, right? A lot of people go through life but they're not aware of these like little traits like mm. having that shyness or... Mm. So I think being an actor, you need to be able to be very self-aware. I, I think if, you, if, you, if you're an actor and you can't listen and you're not self-aware, you'll struggle. Mm -hmm. But there are tricks to be able to act like you are self-aware and that you can yeah. listen. Okay. What, how did you learn these things? Was it on set or did you have some formal training? No, I've, had no, I've never had formal training. I just, I make a lot of mistakes. Um, I, I, I don't mind failing. Uh, my biggest lessons are in failure, as cliche as that seems and sounds. And I think my biggest drive is I just want to prove people wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm 37, turning 38. You don't look it. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm at the age of really not caring if people like me or not. I have my cool group of people mm -hmm. that I'm happy with. And I'll be polite. I'll be civil. Just don't fuck with me. And uh, I won't fuck with you. And if you do fuck with me, you'll see another side of me. Um, yeah. yeah, man. So move along, try to do my thing. And I'm, just, I'm always just trying to learn lessons. Like That's why I love traveling. Mm. Um, I travel to learn about myself. Uh, and I travel to meet myself. Yeah. That's powerful. I also love love that with travel. It just really opens your mind and brings these new experiences mm. that shape you. So um, someone with such diverse talents, so you from comedy, acting, presenting, how do you balance and nurture each of these different creative facets? Uh, I think everything that I do, which is acting, comedy, uh, f uh, you know, presenting... Um, just the people who, who are behind the camera as well. Mm -hmm. It's anything to do in this industry is about truth. So, for example, if the, the director or the film guy put a gigantic dildo here, um, people watching at home will be able to like, why is that there? Because it's not truthful. Mm -hmm. Because we're not talking about sex toys. Yeah. So it wouldn't fit there. And I think anything to do with film or entertainment is just about truth. Um, and I think everything that I do in entertainment is about truth. And the easiest way to be able to, to entertain people is a conflict between um, it's always truthful. And as soon as it's untruthful, you'll be like, wait, something's weird there. Um, it's a bit of a... So there's something unguess. weird there. Yeah. But for me, I like the, 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 the conflict between funny and sad. Or, for example, I feel more creative than I've ever been after losing my mother because it's hitting uh, this ultimate low... There's something about it that just makes me feel a little bit like a better creative. Wow, that's incredible. It's, it's almost like experience gives you the knowledge yeah. to become yeah, yeah, yeah. this person. But I yeah. have a lot to learn and I have mm -hmm. a lot to fail. And I'm, I'm, ke I'm keen and willing to make as many mistakes as possible. That's a great mindset. I mean, even for anyone listening or watching, you know, you have to make those mistakes. You have to go... Mm fail harder, fail mm. faster to be able to move yeah. to the next step. Mm. Yeah, incredible. I'm really like so proud of you for, you. I haven't, like I've been watching your journey and I, and I love the voice you share to the world because I think a lot more people need to give less of a fuck. Mm. You know? <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, I faked it for many years 
about care, uh, not giving a fuck. Like, for example, I, I'm driving in this little shitty little car, and sometimes when people see me the traffic lights, they're always like, wait a minute, why are you driving this car? And I'm like, my cars don't really define me or who I am. Mm. Yeah. Or, um, and, and I think a lot of people are just so caught up with trying to... I think that's why social media is killing us. Um, because a lot of people judge their every day mm. on people's best day. Like, if you're judging... For example, if I had a face full of acne right now, and you see me, you, and you see someone else with great skin, you, none of you go... You know, no one thinks, when he was 13, he had a gigantic acne on his face. You just yeah. think of, oh, no, look how beautiful their skin is. Look how terrible mine is. And you're just thinking about the now. But yeah. um, that's what social media is. I'm so glad I'm not a teenager during Growing this up that time. Yeah, yeah, because people are creating this uh, created self versus mm. a real self, right? Because you're curating a world on social media that's not a complete true reality, and I think that is quite a problem. And I think what, what I am noticing, though, as we're moving through the social media world, our age group or millennials to Gen Z, I feel like they're more real with like just picking up their phone and speaking mm. directly to camera mm. instead of being curated. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think even COVID did help that a lot. I think COVID helped us to realize, do what you got to do as real as possible, um, do it now, be consistent. Uh, uh, but we come from this generation of really curate yeah. perfection. And obviously mm-hmm. now, you know, and I don't think it's actually their fault. I think the, those young ones, that three years of COVID really did change things. I think so. For yeah. me as well, I think mm-hmm. that that real, real you wants to just, just be, and again, not care so much about mm. how it's going to land. Mm. <clears throat> so... We spoke a bit about, you know, the, the achievements you've had through your acting career and um, the films you've done. Is there any film or uh, something that you've done in, in your creative space that really stands out for you and that has really changed you? I think it's easy for me to talk about the big ones. Uh, I did a short film once called Dear Sister and it was just about me, about sex trafficking. And uh, I've never been so crazy and obsessed over the girl who played my sister who was lost. Uh, for me, it's on YouTube. It's not, didn't, not many people saw it. Um, but yeah, that was for me definitely one of the best that I've done. I definitely want to see that. It's, yeah, it's just so a short little film called Dear Sister. I think it's like five minutes, five, ten minutes. Okay, we'll also put a link here so people can... No, it, it sounds interesting. Mm. I want to wanna watch it. Um, so comedy. Yeah. Tell me more. You're a comedian. Is this something that you always... I haven't done comedy in like five five years or so. Is it something you want to continue doing? I'm going back right now. Uh, I'm writing a a show about masculinity and losing my mother. Um, There's a lot of things I want to say and talk about. Um, I don't think society talks enough about grief. I don't think society talks enough about... I think society spends a lot of time attacking masculinity they don't spend enough time trying to talk and seeing how we can fix masculinity. I think headlines definitely, anti-masculinity is definitely, uh, you know, sells papers. Um, but actually the enemy is toxic masculinity. Uh, the world needs masculinity. Masculinity is a beautiful thing. Um, and I just want to talk about masculinity. and the How can we fix masculinity? I think, uh, uh, I think, I, I don't think masculinity needs to be fixed. I think toxic masculinity is one that needs to be. Agreed. I, I, I think, um, I think we've got to talk about the father's households. Uh, we've got to talk about making and, and holding people accountable. Uh, we have to, as men, hold other men accountable. But I think, and, and, and this is going to sound like I'm making an excuse for masculinity, but, but listen to this quickly. So men come from pack mentality of hunting mammoths, going together, team sports. And when someone messes up in a team, you don't scream at them. You don't single them out, mm-hmm. right? So if you were hunting mammoths, you wouldn't go, what are you doing? No, you would address it in a team. Mm. But the way the world disciplines now, we cancel. So now women expecting men to cancel other men, but actually we don't have that in us. We don't, that's not in our DNA. Mm. Our DNA is to be in packs and do things and call each other one-on-one. But actually, we don't, we're not good at holding each other accountable. Mm. 
Mm. Um, like for example, I had an altercation with my niece recently, and it's my duty to hold her accountable, right? Jeez. And I, 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 and for me to hold myself accountable, other men accountable. So I think we've got to find a way. So they talk about how a lot of men struggle with therapy because in therapy they just talk, talk, listen, talk, talk, talk for a while. Mm. But men actually want solutions. We solution based. We want to yeah. go. How can you help? Kind of a thing. But actually, talking about it is part of the solution. Uh, so I think we've got to start rewording things, rephrasing things, um, finding different ways to approach them. And I don't think men are going to change by being changed by women. I think men need to ch- help change men. Uh, I think I agree. No, no man is you're not going to a woman's not going to go to a man and go be a better man, and he's going to go wait a minute. I think you're right. It needs to be other men speaking to other men. And that's why the, like, the idea of men's circles, men's groups is yeah. something that... Yeah, safe spaces for people mm. to come together and really t- men to yeah. come together and talk about these mm. things together mm. and be open about it and also be vulnerable, mm. be allowed to cry, be mm. allowed to share really difficult things. And I yeah. think women do that a lot already. Mm. Like we have these friend circles, you can call up your friends, speak for hours and talk about mm. everything. But I don't feel like men have that space or they do, but not a lot of them are doing it. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think we got to be able to find, it's got to be fashionable. Mm. I, okay, I want this. I want it fashionable for good guys finishing first early. Don't let good guys finish um, first only when you finish with the bad guys, dear ladies. I, I feel like men should make an unfashionable for rape jokes, for whistling at women. We've got to call each other out and call yourself out. Accountability, consistency and accountability is needed. Uh, I think in packs and in groups, in WhatsApp groups, you must call men out for sharing content that is it, that, that, that we're not talking about... Now, here's another thing. We're not looking for perfect men. Because if you're looking for a perfect man and you're a woman, find a perfect woman first. We're, we're looking for men to hold each other and themselves accountable. That's all we're looking for. And me, I've, I mess up every day. Mm-hmm. And I try to hold myself accountable. The friends in my life, the women in my life hold me accountable. Um, but I think that's it. I think we need, we need men to hold each other accountable and, and make it fashionable to be good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But let the good guy finish first. It's reminding me of this book that I read, which was The Four Agreements by, mm-hmm. I forget his name, something Ruiz. But he says... He talks about the four agreements and the last one is always do your best Mm -hmm. because no matter what happens, you Mm -hmm. will fuck up. You will have like times where, Mm -hmm. you know, you do something, but just always do your best. Show up as that best person, but have that self-awareness to Mm -hmm. be able to acknowledge that you've done something wrong and then fix it and move. Mm -hmm. So so this is what we're talking about is like this self-awareness, but also doing your best. Yep. Yeah. Nice. I like where you're going. We're going to start these men group. We're going to start it. Yeah, I have a plan. I would love to do a men's. I would love to do a man conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, men show up with their sons, their young cousins, and it's only men. Mm-hmm. And we have like, you know, talks. We have rooms. For example, listen to this. My dad died before I started shaving, so there was no one to teach me how to shave. Mm. Small things. Yeah. Like imagine you had your period and you had no female. You have no female influence. Yeah. How are you going to, like, navigate that? And I think a lot of boys go through very big, big uh, moments in their lives without people to be there to help them navigate them. Also, just how does, if you do lose your dad, how do you know how to treat a woman if there's Mm -hmm. no male figure in your life showing you how to... (laughs) But on the same hand, people forget that it's not just men who are fathers, there's other father Father figures. Father figures, of course, yeah, yeah. But if they lack any Mm. other kind of, like, you know, maybe not a grandfather or Mm. uncle, if they don't have that, then, again, that space would Mm. be be really good. Um, So alongside your career, and you've also become a social media sensation, love your content. (laughs) I like it because it's authentic and it's real Mm. and it's funny. And it's, so that's encompassing you. But interestingly, because it's so real, because it's in your face and brutal and blunt, I'll lose just as many followers as I receive. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll never be a, the, the kind of person on social media who has 100 million followers or a million because I just, I'm just in your face. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think there's only so much. 
I don't think you'd have it any other way though, no, because no, I, I feel I'm, like I'm, you would be no, blocking a part very, of yourself. I'm very happy with yeah. that. Yeah. Also, I don't think it's about followers. No, no. I think it's about just being you. But I'm an acquired taste. I say I'm, I'm an acquired taste like sushi, uh, oysters, and anal sex. Not everyone. Love that for you. Not everyone loves anal sex, and not everyone likes sushi, and not everyone likes oysters. But some people who love them absolutely are crazy about them. I love sushi and oysters. Yeah. <laughs> Crickets. Uh, <wow. laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, how do you actually use social media to connect to your audience and your, share your brand? Um, I just say, I just speak. Uh, if you don't agree, unfollow. unfollow, move to the next Insta story, mm-hmm. or block me. Yeah. You know? Have you had a lot of that? Ah, lots of people block me, <laughs> lots of people unfollow me. Come on now. Um, I, I believe if everyone loves you, you're doing fuck all with your life. Mm, I agree. I really, really agree. Um, you also have quite a voice on the political situation in South Africa. Mm. and I hear so. Uh, I, I, believe oh, I'm not, I believe I'm not political. I believe I'm South African. Yes. I'm proudly South and, African. And I think you share good points. Like, what are your views on our current political situation? I think we're fucked. Um, and I think a lot of people refuse to admit it. I think mm. um, if I had a drug addiction... I would only be able to fix it if I admit I have a problem. I think being, admitting that we're in trouble doesn't mean you're anti-South Africa. Like people see us, people saying we have a problem. Oh, you're not a patriot. No, we have a problem. Like if I had cancer in my leg, I either cut off the leg or cut off the cancer so we can deal with it. Mm-hmm. I think we need to unite as a people and we need to come together and realize that we have a problem and it needs to be fixed. Uh, but we difficult. We don't really know how to unite. Yeah. Uh, people call me political. I'm not political. I really saying I'm political. People say that all the time. I, I believe every South African needs to have an opinion. With our history, how can you not I be agree. involved? I find it so. Yeah, I don't talk politics. I don't talk <laughs> politics. That's like living in the middle of the ocean and saying you don't talk water. I agree. <laughs> and also, but the thing is, like you said, we are aware that we have a problem here in this yeah. country. But people talk, right? Mm. No one's really taking mm. action. And I think for me personally, I don't know what that action is. Mm. I think, yeah, that's the difficulty. The difficulty part of it. For example, uh, there was uh, the thing about the, the deputy president's uh, VIP protection uh, beating up some civilians. If that was France, they would have been burning stuff. Mm. I think, we're, I think we're, a bit, uh, we're a bit like a flaccid penis. Cool. Looks good, but can it stand? Mm. Can it take a stand? <laughs> and I'm not saying the flaccid peanut needs a blue pearl, because obviously people will think I'm talking DA politics, but I'm not talking about DA. But I do feel like unity should make us stand. Yeah. It's an interesting one. I think we need strategies to unite. Mm. And I think because things are so fucked up at the moment, mm. it's kind of hard to see or yeah. navigate through that. We need to coordinate. Um, Yes. You need to coordinate. And, Let's coordinate. But I do think... I do think we're on a sinking ship. <laughs> I think we're on a sinking ship, and I think we should... Uh, when I say sinking ship, I, I, I don't think... I don't mean it's not resolvable. I think there was an iceberg. We hit it. Everyone was saying there's an iceberg. We were warned there's an iceberg. We hit it. Then we realized there's not enough... Um... um uh, life, life, um, life, you know, lifeboats, lifeboats. Mm-hmm. Then the rich were jumping on the lifeboats, Titanic, and they all were, over and they again. Were all not letting the poor on, and the masses are the ones that suffered. Mm-hmm. The masses are, or can only jump on the ship afterwards. But while the, sh- the sink is ship, um, while the ship is sinking, the rich are still going into different safes and stealing gold and stealing all the valuables and looting the country dry. Yeah, it's a great analogy. It is a great analogy, especially since, you know, Titanic's been in the news lately. It's yeah, that thing, that whole Titanic thing pissed me off how people are making jokes of people's death, but uh, it shows you how fucked up the world is. Yeah, the internet's pretty, pretty fucked up, but yeah, I, I mean... Remember, I miss the days when the internet was just for porn, and now <laughs> it's for such brutalness. I mean, yeah, what was your... When... How old were you when, the, like, when we started using the internet? I can remember dial-up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ben used to sit there and 
Using your floppy disk. Trying to watch porn when it's going. How old were you? Mm. <laughs> hey, I was young. <laughs> nice. Um, you, okay, you want to go back a bit into your dancing. You're a great uh, dancer. Where does this come from? Um, I just love Can moving. you show us a move? Good luck. Um, <laughs> I, I know, I just, I, I think they're much better dancers than me. I just love to move and I, yeah. I think sometimes you just got to dance and don't care what people think really. Like no one's watching. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Um, so we spoke a little bit about this, but what advice would you give to creatives or entrepreneurs that are trying to get into the industry? And also what I want to talk to you about is the creative industry in South Africa and equal opportunities. I want to know your viewpoints on this. Mm. I think if you're a creative, you have a cell phone, you have access to the internet and data. There's no reason why you can't be creating content on your, so on your phone. I know people who are multi, multi-millionaires now with just creating content on their phone. If you're an actor, shoot student films and cameras or, or, or phones, it's a lot more accessible. Be consistent, be vulnerable. Um, don't necessarily reinvent the wheel. Everything has been done, to be truthfully honest, but just mm -hmm. challenge yourself, make yourself uncomfortable. There's no growth in the comfort zone. Our pressure builds diamonds. Just get out there. Don't make excuses about why you're not successful. Yeah. Uh, and opening up the industry, what do, you, what do you talk about? So I'm saying in terms of South Africa and the, you know, do, do you feel like there's equal opportunities at the moment? How do you see the landscape for creatives, um, especially for the masses? I think it's difficult. I think corporates went, people went through three years of, you know, two and a half, three years of COVID and lockdown. So currently... I don't think big corporates or, or, or big agencies or directors are, are, are willing to risk on newcomers at the moment. Mm. Um, for example, I've done a lot of work. They go, oh, we know Surf can do it. Let's book Surf. Yeah. Uh, it's difficult for people who are starting. I know it's very, very difficult. Uh, but create your own content. Yeah. Keep on pushing. Um, just create content, have side gigs, side hustles, and just do your thing. Like, people start somewhere. Like, it, there's just not a, no excuse not to be creating. How do you deal with... Like trolls. Oh, trolls, I love them. They fuel me. Um, they push me. Uh, polls push me. Like every time I want to share some good news, I'm so excited. I'm, I yeah. want to share them. I'm so excited. I, I love the haters. They push mm. me, man. I'm like, when I share something new, like, I love the haters. And I, I, I want to be so successful that they hate me. Mm-hmm. Like, I want them to talk around, around the dinner table about me and how shit I am and why do I have all the jobs. My dad always used to say, if they're not talking about you, mm -hmm. then you should be worried. Yeah, definitely. Like, uh, and another thing that I know, I've never had a person who's more successful than me say bad things about mm. me. Like the only, the only that says a lot. Only right? people, for example, when I go when I'm in, when I'm gymming and I go into the, the the men's changing room, I've never had a guy with a better body tell me I have a shit body, yeah. or say you know what I mean. No, only people who are below you, like only people who are below you, can bring you down. Because there's a part of them that they see that they haven't faced yet. Yeah. So for me, yeah. fuck them all. I can't wait. Cheers, I'm guys. always ready. I'm always ready. I've noticed your Superman phone cover. And ring. Is that... Tell me more. Uh, it stands for Siv, but I can understand why you would think it's I mean, Superman. it looks like Superman. Yeah, so. I know. It is for Superman. I, I've always been obsessed with the, the brand of Superman. Um, just that, you know, he can be a guy wearing glasses and just be this everyday guy, but in, internally you know that he's this, this beast of a man. Yeah. And I think that's a great analogy of, uh, of masculinity. Yeah. You can be an everyday... At the end of the day, no one's asking men to be weak. We need strong men. Um, there's we a do. reason why we have most testosterone. There's a reason why we're faster. There's a reason why we're stronger. There's a reason why. Mm -hmm. I don't know, people, people shouldn't change that about society. But there needs to be that side where he can be that, 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 that vulnerable, loving father or that vulnerable, loving brother or cousin. Uh, and that's the beauty I love about Superman. Uh, he's strong, but still vulnerable. The, this, the idea of masculinity and this, this path that you're on right now of, you know, creating this awareness around um, positive masculinity mm. and not toxic, where does this stem from? I think I've messed up so much. <laughs> I think I've, 
I think I've been toxic long enough. Um, mm. I think it's easy for men to see a man or men gang raping a girl and murdering a girl and then men going, oh my God, disgusting, these monsters. But they didn't wake up one day and just think I'm going to rape a girl. Mm. There were little things that just happened that created that monster. It's the same as like, no one wakes up and says, I'm going to do tick today. I've never met a tick addict who doesn't drink. You will not meet a tick addict who doesn't drink. It starts somewhere and it's duh, but duh, it's just duh. It's a, lo- a lot of things happen. I'm not saying alcohol, I'm just saying is that everyone has things that they do that lead them to that particular thing. And yeah. I think a lot of men, it's easy to point fingers and go, he's a monster. And then it's, it's not easy. For, it's the same as, he's a narcissist. Yes. But at no moment yeah. do you go, wait a minute, do I have narcissistic traits? I know I do. Uh, I know I have toxic traits. Uh, I would be lying if I didn't. Yeah. So, I mean, I went to this talk, I don't know, it was really random, but it was getting into the mind of a serial killer. I couldn't stomach it. I had to walk out halfway through because I'm a very sensitive person. So, like, anything graphic or even listening to it just shakes me a little bit. And there were, like, the stories that she covered, she's written a book, they're doing a Netflix documentary about it. She spoke only about men serial killers. And I was fast. The question I had is like, where's the woman serial killer? There's not many of them. No, there's not many. And she spoke about, this is the one question that I asked before I left. And she said that it's because, like you said, men are, they built differently. So men have that power to kill, whereas Mm. a woman doesn't necessarily have that mm. within her to take life. They're pre- women There's, are predominantly uh, crimes of passion. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But we don't have that testosterone to yeah, like, yeah. 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 Mm. It was very fascinating. I mean, it's the first time like putting myself into that world and mm. trying to understand it. But the, the thing that stood mm. out was was men. And also for me, like only turning 30, like going in, now I'm, I'm learning about this masculinity and femininity and, and toxic mas- masculinity because I also grew up in a very um, reserved upbringing, mm. a traditional upbringing. And so you're not open to these roles and yeah. dynamics and stuff like that. Yeah. Sure. It's very interesting. Um, so I wanted to ask you how you deal with rejection. Um. I've been in the industry since I was nine. Um, Rejection is part of it. A couple of them sting here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, But the analogy I always say to young actors is pretend like you have a light inside of your chest and when you walk into an audition, show them your light. Mm. And when you walk out, just close it. Because if you leave it open for too long, that's when you get hurt. Uh, Occasionally, one of them, a few ones hurt there, a few ones hurt there, here and there. I've had a couple of ones hurt just recently, and you just got to push on and just believe that you, great things are coming your way. When one door closes, another one opens. As cliche as it sounds. As cliche as it sounds. Can you tell me a joke? <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you would have to pay. How much are we talking? Yeah, I, I charge from one, uh, one minute to 30 minutes. Okay, what's your price tag? I'm quite expensive. Okay. Hmm. Fine, we'll just talk about your nieces and nephews then. <laughs> you are an uncle. I saw your nephews on, on your Instagram story. The one was asking, why don't you have a girlfriend? Oh, yeah, that's my, uh, my, my close friend's kids. Yeah. Okay, They're yeah. My, my nephews, yeah. Okay, well, he was wondering why you don't have a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And then you were just, yeah, they, they, were, they were calling you out. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm trying to teach. Uh, actually, I was with my Musi Mamani's son the other day, and he, was, he says to me, I said to him, hey, I'm, we're watching a show. And I was like, everyone in this, everyone in this hall is my age. And then, and then he was like, wow, and you don't have kids or a married. What a sad life. And then afterwards I said to him, I was like, having a kids, as much as I want kids, but having been married is, shouldn't be a, a goal, totally. an achievement. <clears throat> I think we're, we live in a world where everyone thinks marriage is an achievement. No, bro, um, I'll never get married. Yeah. Absolutely never get married. You won't get married. It looks like the worst thing ever. It does sound it, like the worst thing ever. It looks too. 
ridiculous. I really, I do not believe in marriage. Never, ever have, never, ever will. I think humans are forcing it. I think it's not for everyone. I think for some people, yes. They're like, oh, but our parents, our parents had cack. But they just didn't talk. But about do you not it. want a pretty like ceremony, a party, a celebration of love? I do not want to walk down any aisle. You don't I don't have to walk down a, an aisle. You can have a you can have I a ceremony. Have to, I don't want to walk down five meters to talk to, with a woman to tell her I love her forever. I will not promise any woman I'll love her forever. And I think that's a big decision if you are, uh, and each to their own. And when it fails, people are like, I wonder what happened. I don't think everyone's meant to get married. Yeah, we're not Egyptians. Yeah, but it's okay to. Carve your own path. And Agreed. Endeavors. I think people do it. Yeah. Do, like, do it. And you want kids? That's so sweet. Mm. How many? Uh, I, just, I just want healthy, healthy kids. Nice. Oh, yeah. adoptive. I have to. I love that. I also want to adopt. I think it's, mm. it's it will be really nice too. Um, but I also want kids. I just want mm. two though. That's it. End. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think yeah. Two. Two. Two sounds good. Yeah. One. Two. Um, but yeah, you have this really like sweet way with dealing with kids through your Instagram. I think it's. I love kids. Uh, kids can see your soul. Mm. They're also so free and. They're like dogs. Dogs can see. Dogs can see. They yeah, are. They can feel. Yeah. And kids as well. They're like, hey, you don't seem like a bad guy. Do you have dogs? Do you have pets? No, I don't have pets. My only pet is my cell phone. <laughs> and having to charge it every day is a mission. Because you're on it 24-7. 24-7. Do you take a break from social media? No, I don't. Ever? No. Would you say you are addicted to your phone? Mm, addiction means that I wouldn't be able to put it down right now to have an interview with you. Well, I feel very special. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> if you had a superpower for a day, what, what would it be and how would you use it? I want to fly. I want to fly. That's a good superpower. Mm. I would want to teleport. Yeah. See, teleport, fly. Yeah. yeah. But the thing about teleporting, you can't feel it. Can't true. It's like instantaneous. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's true. It's like a, it's like a, what's it called? What do they call it again? Um, when you have money in your account and then suddenly you pay a bill and it's gone. Yeah. It's like payday and then the next week Sounds you're broke. Like <laughs> um, which, what's your favorite country that you visited ever? Um, out-of-body experience, cried walking out the airplane. I cried walking out the airport when I saw Havana, Cuba for the first time. I'm dying to go yeah. there. Japan, New York, favorite cities in the world. Mm-hmm. Favorite beach island life uh, would be Vietnam. Okay, yeah, Japan's top of my list, Morocco. Yeah. Um, Morocco I love, except for the racists. Are there a lot of racists? Well, Moroccans think they're not African, but someone needs to tell them that they're very African. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm going to Egypt next week for some, some work. Um, and I've got a feeling I'm going to have to remind many Egyptians that you are African fuckers because uh, they refuse to admit that they're African. What do they call themselves? Uh, uh, Arab Africans. Because uh, even during when Morocco was in the semifinals, they were like, we want to thank all our Arabs for that. And we we're like, ah, but ah, we are <laughs> supporting you. Uh, what about us? It's no, true. racist as fuck. How do you deal with racism? I have no time to deal with racists. If you don't yeah. want to get to know me because of the color of my skin, you're missing out on an incredible, unbelievable human being. I have no fight for racists. Oh my God. Who oh, racist on my thing. Like for me, it's, it's different because I think racists are fighting against such a big group of person. But for mm. me, I take people marginalizing minorities personally. Like mm. I'm more up for fighting people who discriminate against the queer community, that's a minority, or women. Women are not a minority, but they are physically, physically inferior to men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I like, but as blacks, we have, there's enough of us in the world to, 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 to defend ourselves. So I think, I think, yeah. I think I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not there for racism. I'm yeah. like, you're missing a black But also guy. I feel like it's so, like we came through that now. I, 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 don't think, I don't think we've ever come through racism. I think racism have always been there. No, I agree, but I'm saying like, it was so, yeah, big in our worlds yeah. and pe- yeah um, you I have no time for racists you spoke about um, being in the in the queer community I'm not a queer this. I'm not in the queer community but I, I'm definitely involved with them a lot. okay good and um, the dress up that you do can oh. we talk a bit about that I'm I drag I do drag love thank you love the heels oh thank you I do drag and I love wearing heels yeah uh, and I love 
I love wearing heels that others couldn't possibly wear because they're nine, eight. Yeah, they're really big. Like, I'm quite competitive, if you haven't noticed. I, I can Sometimes tell. I do things <laughs> because others can't do them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's so, by funny. the way, Kate wanted to bring a poll here oh. too, for you too. It's amazing how everyone wants to do that. Everyone, everyone's always like, oh, Sav, we have a, a great campaign idea. It's unbelievable. It's not yeah. even a campaign I'm, idea. I'm saying, it's it was like, there was like, we're thinking of Sav emceeing the events and then he strips down in his clothes and he's jumping <laughs> on a pole. <laughs> Every client, we have a great idea. You walk in as your drag character. I say, it takes me three hours. Okay, cool. I don't want to shave, shave my beard. Okay, cool. We create a video of you in drag. Okay, then you take off all your clothes. You jump on the pole in your heels. I usually say no every time. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because that's your thing. That's your space. Yeah, it's all you know? It's what you enjoy doing. Yeah. Don't take it away from me. Um, so what do you think of my heels? They're great. Thank you. I, I wouldn't own them because they're just, they're, they're like one inch yeah, they're quite. They're too. They're, they're too short they're, for you. There's no competition there. It's okay. just like I can't walk in high heels, so mm-hmm. it's like. And then people think that heels are ankles, but they're not. Heels are core. You walk using your. You, you walk. Yes. Using yeah. Wrists. Yeah. Yeah. People were like, I'm but a, my core is not that strong. Ah, then you're trouble. Yeah, I'm in trouble. Mm. But also, like, since COVID, nobody really wears yeah, heels yeah, anymore. Yeah. You know, like, if I'm going out, also moving to Cape Town changed my dress sense when you go out because no one. I mean, you can go. You can literally go to the shops in your pajamas. Yeah, you can, yoga pants. Yoga. Oh, the athleisure. Mm. I live in athleisure. Mm. It's a vibe. Yeah. Um, so, Siv, I want to know if you are a reader. Do you read books? That's a great question. I'm not a reader, but what I do do is I always put content on reading subtitles. So I, I always, even if it's English, mm. subtitles are on. Forces me to read. That's a good I strategy. Saw, do you know who did? Do you know whose idea that was? Musima Mani's wife. Mm. And it has helped me improve my reading profusely. Okay, so if people are lazy to read a book, put your subtitles on. Yep, and then you, your your eyes will always go down. Mm. I don't. I'm not a fan of films with subtitles. Yeah, because it's the art that you but, need to. But. I don't. I don't mind looking down for other things. Like, like for example, they go mesmerizing music. If I was deaf, I wouldn't know what the fuck mesmerizing music sounds like. Mm. You know what I mean? He coughs. You've never heard someone cough. How would you know how he sounds? So they always put it in there, and I'm like, <laughs> there's some deaf guy going mesmerizing music. What the fuck is that? <laughs> oh my gosh! I love things, that. Things I think of. Yeah, uh, what's what's happening now? What are you currently working on? Um, shooting a Netflix t- uh, TV show. Mm-hmm. Come out end of the year. I have an Amazon Prime TV show. I'm producing and acting two, uh, producing and acting in two Amazon films. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I'm just I'm just trying to collect haters, man. That's what I'm trying. Do I you just, have? Um, can you share any more about these projects? No, or no, not, no, no, not that, no. Okay, no. that's fine. No. Do you? Uh, ha- you also have your own company. Yes, I have a few companies. Yes, can we talk about those? So I have. I am a shareholder in an IT company called Infinetics. Mm-hmm. I am a shareholder in a hair loss company called Ambam. I am a shareholder in a company that takes over companies and rebuilds them uh, called Maps Ventures. Uh, Maps is involved in that. Um, I have a worker company uh, called Jeff Fitness that mm. I am a shareholder in that. And then, wait, there's one company. Oh, yeah, I own a gym called Basecamp Gym. Okay. Uh, we, when companies, when movies are done in South Africa and there's anyone from the company that wants to work out who's a celebrity... They book out our company for six, seven months. So if, every time a production, actually now we have Viola Davis at our at our thing right now, uh, and every yeah. So it's a company that we started uh, because of COVID actually. That's and incredible. Now, so those are companies I, I own. How do you balance your time between acting, you know, now your comedy that mm. you spoke about, and then your entrepreneurial? I'm ventures. quite selfish with my time. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm gonna leave here, go for a haircut, ride my motorbike. I'm going to sleep for an hour and a half eat, and eat something. Then I'm going to go watch Tamir tonight. Um, I, I'm great at... Um, people like to say some bullshit like, Beyonce has the same 24 hours we do. No, she doesn't. Uh, she has a team of 60 people. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I am great. None of those companies. I am a the 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 person on the ground. Okay. So I'm able to have incredible people around me, surrounding me, helping me do what I, I know my strengths. Admin is not my strength. Uh, I can woo people. I come up with concepts. I can do the marketing. Mm. But when it comes to on the ground admin, cuck. No, I don't do admin for any of my companies. So you know your strengths and you work on yeah. those and then you mm. divide your time according to what mm. you mm. are best at doing. And I'm a, and I'm a, I, I own a, a sanitary pad company. So mm. I'm opening up a factory in October, I'm in, in September, called Men, uh, and I, I own a charity called the Menstruation Foundation. And then we open up a separate company uh, to open up a sanitary pad factory to distribute this, uh, the uh, Africa's cheapest sanitary pad, a 350 pack of tents. Incredible. Um, but in, even in all of those, I just have the right team around me. The right people. Yeah. And if you do, you have any advice for people that are looking to be an entrepreneur, getting into the entrepreneurial space? I don't know. I'm. I don't know. I love uh, that look. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. <laughs> Um, entrepreneurship won't give you freedom. It will make you work harder. Mm. You will work harder. Um, surround yourself with the right people. Don't be scared to collab. Mm-hmm. Um, and make mistakes. Make mistakes and make more mistakes and make more mistakes. And in a country like South Africa, it's one of the easiest countries to start a company. Um, we're a few years behind everyone else. Mm-hmm. So if you go on the internet and you see what America is doing or what Japan is doing, uh, there's ideas, there's concepts. Yeah, don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is something that people don't know about you? Your followers, your... Um, what people don't know about me? I am an introverted extrovert. I love my own space. I'll never get married. Uh, I'm, I'm open about that. And I am the most disciplined person you'll ever meet. Yeah, I like what you were saying, that your day is like you know, like a day in the life of serving Yezzy. It's very structured. You know what you're doing. Yeah, you're... but there will never be a day that's the same. Yes, um, yeah. Obviously, because mm. it's you're so dynamic with what you're doing. Yeah. And um, also what I wanted to ask you is, we spoke about this offset and you said that you don't party a lot. Mm. I kind of admire that because I think living in Cape Town, you can get very caught up in this party scene that exists here. Mm. You know, it's summer never ends here. Yeah, <laughs> I think I parted too too young, man. I, when did you stop drinking? I've never tried. I've never touched alcohol in my life. That's incredible. Thirty eight this year. I've never drank alcohol. Um, never will. But I'm not a big partier. I prefer yeah. going to parties when someone's paying me to be there, or it's a friend's birthday. But then I usually I'm the guy who leaves without saying goodbye. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm like the kind of guy who likes if I have six if I have six things in a night. I'm cool with that because then I can just jump around. You just ninja bomb. Yeah, I'm a ninja bomber. He's You're a ninja, ninja bomber. <laughs> ninja bomber. But I make sure I greet everyone. They're like, oh, I said was here. I wonder what I said. I could be in the toilet. <laughs> He's gone. Bye. Um, if you could collaborate or have dinner, rather, let's ask that. If you could have dinner with any comedian, actor, artist, living or deceased, who would it be and why? Um, Muhammad Ali, for sure. Mm. Muhammad Ali, um, just discipline, flair, consistency, um, fought people's rights, and, and told people how great he was. Um, I'm all about that. Um, I, I believe in humility, but you must let a motherfucker know how great you are. Um, I have my mother. I have my mother for dinner. Um, what would you eat? Um, would go to, um, my mother would go to Cafe Paradiso and she would message me and tell me how great I am and how amazing I am. And then she would say, thank you so much for the scrumptious meal. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I would, who else? Nelson Mandela. I already had, actually, I've already had lunch with him. Performed for his birthday when I was 10. I've had a long lunch. So I leave Nelson. I've already, I already spoken to him. Um, who else? Who else fascinates me? I think, I think like, I think people are so interested. I actually, wait, I would love my grandfather. My grandfather 
treated me like I was a little god mm. from the day I was born. And he used to treat me like I was so special. And I, didn't, I was never able to, to have, to be able to give back to him. Mm. Uh, so I think that would be, I, I think I'm more interested in the people who were involved in creating greats. I love that. I think sometimes you, you like, people are always like, oh my goodness, Sev, you're amazing. I'm like, no, you should have met my mother. Mm. You should have met my mother. Because mm. you know what my mother used to do? My mother used to, and I said this to Hussein Bolt. I actually met Hussein Bolt at, at the JMB Met. And I said to him, I told his best friend this, and then his best friend to go to, went to tell Hussein, and Hussein called me to come tell him. I told him my mother used to save money for four years to get DSTV because we couldn't afford it during, and then she used to make us watch the Olympics. Like, she used to mark there, 100-meter race. She used to watch the big races, and she used to be like, now, watch them. They've trained for four years, their entire lives. This race is going to last under, under 10 seconds. And she used to drill that into us. Like, she used to absolutely drill into us. So for me, I just think the people who are involved in creating the greats. Mm. And then again, to be great, you need luck. People don't talk about that enough. Mm. How many people are walking? Try and tell me with 85% of the country being poor, how many kids are walking around with potential to be great? So many. But they were just lucky to be born where they are. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Incredible. I, yeah, I really, really like that. Too. And, then, and then I want, lastly, and then what I'm going to say, if I haven't said enough things that have shocked you, um, I would love to have lunch or supper with the man I have the potential to become. Because I'll never meet him. And I fucking know he's going to be great. And I know that in many more years to come, he would have learned many more lessons. Mm -hmm. That's the guy I want to meet. And I don't believe in religion, but my definition of hell is at my deathbed, meeting the man I could have become if I just worked harder I took every opportunity possible. Imagine you're about to die and the guy you could have become or the woman you could have become comes in and says, girl, if you had just taken that opportunity to move to Mumbai and take over your mother's but imagine what could have happened. And that's my definition of hell. So I, when I'm about to die, I, the man that I meet, I want him to be the man I have the potential to become. But yeah. That's an incredible, incredible lesson and... Um, thought to have moving through and it's something I thought about the other day where I was just driving and I was like who what would I say if I was younger but I had the thought and process and everything I have right now but I had that when I was 20 mm. like how much more I could have done mm. And that kind of made me happy mm. in a way because I was like, well, I am doing that mm. now and, and it's the youngest we'll ever mm. be, right? This mm. is the youngest we're ever going to be. Mm. Yeah. There's a lady there washing windows next door over there. And I, I think the only way us humans can actually cope is by thinking that that woman washing windows has no dreams, has no ambitions and never has. That's the only way we can cope as humans. Because if we took on every bit of people's different concerns, we'll never be able to live our lives. But that woman cleaning windows over there, she's gone now, um, has dreams, has ambitions, and doesn't want to do this her entire life. Mm. But we humans, you know what I mean? Like, I think nine to fives kill more dreams than failure ever has. Mm -hmm. Doubt has killed more dreams than failure ever has. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. To end off, because that was super powerful and I feel like so, so many people can take from that, your name, mm -hmm. Siv... Siv... Yeah. What does it mean? We are happy. So, my, I was, my, my, my mom had a daughter-daughter and then they got a boy and then they said, we are happy. How can you not be successful when they call you, we are happy that wow. you were born? <laughs> and on that note, I am happy and yeah. grateful you. that you've taken time to come out and be on Undeniably You. I think you are 
the definition of being undeniably yourself. And it's such a privilege to see you again and to speak to, to you in this you time so and space. Me. And I'm looking forward to everything else you do. Thank and you. I'm watching in awe. So yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. And we end by blowing a kiss to the camera. You don't have to. <laughs> This season, we are changing it up. We are shooting at the iconic Bingley Place and Villa Ravenstein. These amazing locations are managed by Mikasa Property Management. Mikasa Property Management is a luxury holiday rental management company based in Camps Bay, Cape Town. They give homeowners and landlords in Cape Town freedom by taking all aspects of management off their hands while maximizing their rental property income. We feel that vibe.